It's that midnight hustle. We're back again. Thanks for joining us, man. It, it's, it's such an honor right now to be talking to this guy because, again, man, you know, I talk to wrestlers all the time. But when you're talking to a dude, not somebody who's at the top of the echelon, somebody who's spending billions and doing all sorts of shit out there in the world. Here's a guy who's got a true story, man. Some shit that you can learn from. Some guy who's seen the high roads, who's seen the peaks and the valleys, man. Fuck it. Let's just bring him on right now. We're talking about you may have remembered him in the WWE as Aldo Montoya, the Portuguese man of war, but I guarantee you that he's just etched in your memory as one of the ECW world champions, one and only just incredible. Now, do I call you Justin or do I call you PJ? Like, how do you want uh, to both? You know, PJ's <laughs> fine, PJ's fine, PJ or Justin, they're, they're real fine. Listen, man, there's so much shit that we can talk about, so many things we got to cover, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure how often you get asked this question okay. How are you doing today? Like, like how is PJ uh, living his life? How, how you all right? Yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, um, could things be better um, as far as from a point of view of, you know, um, am I earning a living uh, mm -hmm. or is my health okay? Sure. You know, um, my career, okay. So things are hanging in there. Um, you, know, you know, my family's doing well which is always a plus. My kids uh, are starting, my oldest is starting his senior year of, uh, of university at Rowan University in New Jersey, which is a huge deal. Um, my daughter is starting her senior year of high school. And uh, my youngest son is 14. He's starting his first year uh, as a freshman. Nice. So really uh, important year for the kids um, and for myself, really. Mm -hmm. It's been the first kind of, you know, four or five month period where, uh, I went from zero bookings, um, zero ways to make money at all um, with COVID to now slowly, you know, not to a huge, you know, a huge percent, but a good amount of bookings. Um, podcasts have been a really, really good way, um, you know, to, to help, uh, you know, to kind of help me get a little bit of um uh, a fruit on the table, you know, it's hard. I've, uh, I've, I've had a real job. I'm working a real job, but most people don't understand. I don't think when uh, you're a guy like myself, he's 47 years old. Mm -hmm. And my biggest experience in life as a, as someone looking for a job, what do you do? What does your resume <laughs> look like? Oh, uh, and most of, most of my adult life, I've been a professional wrestler. Mm -hmm. um, you know, working with either the WWE uh, or ECW or, you know, for, you know, various independents, uh, Impact Wrestling, Japan, mm -hmm. uh, you name it, you know. So uh, to get a regular job, a decent paying job, which I know I'm not the only one out there having this problem. Uh, it's very difficult. It's been a very, very big challenge um, to kind of do it. Uh, so, yeah. But things are good. I'm here talking to you, um, which is great. This past weekend uh, at Heroes and Hideouts uh, comic book shop um, in Albany, New York, at the Albany Mall. Um, great turnout. We had like a team extreme, uh, a team of ECW guys and gals. It was myself, Sandman uh, as the big draws, then Francine. Uh, Jerry Lynn was also there. Uh, big Jack Victory, which doesn't come out that often. 
Uh, he was from, he's from Florida. He was there uh, and Mustafa from UCW, New Jack's uh, partner. So uh, all of us were there signing autographs at this great place. If you're ever in the area, and this is a shameless plug, I don't even get anything. I'm just a mark for the place. It's called Heroes Hideout. Um, killer, killer comic book uh, place. If you're in, like I said, if you're in the Albany area, awesome, awesome place. And it's right inside the mall. So I did that uh, Saturday. And uh, that's it, man. That's it. You know, other than that, uh, you know, just just hustling and working and uh, just trying to do as much as I can to stay relevant uh, in professional wrestling. Man, and that's great because, you know, right before COVID and it's probably yeah. back to like 2017, there was like an uncomfortably scary video of you out there at an indie show. You like <clears> you know, winter jacket and stuff like that. Had a couple of drinks in you. And it just starts circulating the internet. You're like, fuck, sure. man, I hope PJ's not the next dude that we're going to end up hearing about wrestling. When was that? That was a, That's an old video. Is, is it right? was it old in oh, 2017? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that had to be 2016, 2015. Okay. All right. So it's, it's a lot older. Oh, yeah. yeah that that was actually, uh, that whole thing was the journey. The, uh, the, the beginning of kind of, you know, people reaching out and wanting to do a documentary about me, hopefully yeah. uh, getting back on track. So, uh, yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And it's one of those things because, I mean, you bring so much to the business and, and we know what your undying love for the business is and how passionate you are <laughs> about it. And wrestling's just that fucking thing that when it doesn't love you anymore. It don't it, yeah. it's just like yo we're done we, we've had yeah. enough we did everything we could do for you good luck on life and like you said man when you've been doing wrestling so long like i, I was doing a lot of wrestling shit since 1992 right. and when you put that on a resume a lot of people they end up taking the interview just to talk oh man yeah. so you met hogan you met savage you've done this right. you've done that and i'm like yo am i getting the fucking job like what, what's going on yeah and yeah. they're like well they, you know, every, yeah everything that you've done doesn't translate to experience no. to get this position no, and it like, doesn't. It, and it crushes me. It, it does. And it's also uh, it's when it's people that are very short sighted because mm -hmm. uh, they don't understand what being a professional wrestler actually entails. Uh, it entails, first of all, you've, you've traveled the world. Right. So that's huge. You know, for, for somebody applying for a job, uh, in, you know, let's say at a at a Walmart or something like that. It's like, you know, you've traveled the world. You could speak several languages. Uh, you know about different cultures. You certainly know about uh, most things that uh, a lot of people that never left their state know. Um, so, you know, being a professional wrestler really like, you know, you, you learn life stuff that, uh, that far exceeds anything that a school uh, can provide you. It's actually really amazing because, um, most of the stuff I have learned since I was 19 years old, been traveling the globe. I mean, to South from South Africa to Japan to, you know, all the way down in South America to England, Portugal, France, you know, I mean, all throughout Canada, I've been, the only place I haven't gone uh, that'd be easier is Australia, which I'm, uh, I'm loving to do someday. Hopefully I can, but um, yeah, just, just the fact of seeing all these cultures and uh, learn, knowing how to speak some of the languages uh, and stuff. I mean, I wish there were um, places for that in a uh, resume <laughs> because uh, it, what we do is so unique. And the fact that you also um, know how to communicate and be on television, mm -hmm. know how to communicate at all. Cause really pro wrestling, a lot of it is communication, both uh, behind screen and on screen. Right. So uh, there's a lot going on that, uh, that really could be associated with uh, 
day-to-day life and getting it, jobs. It's funny. I, I see <clears> a lot of ex-wrestlers who end up going into sales because as a wrestler, you're in the ring and, and you're pulling right. emotional strings yes. of the audience and they're watching you and you're communicating with them. You're cutting a promo. You're selling them on that next event. You're selling them on your characters. They're like, well, fuck That's it. Right. I can go sell a car. I can go sell yeah. real estate. And it's just like, have you, have you gone down that rope? Uh, I have not. No, no. And you know, I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, no, no door is closed. I would just like to, um, to find something I could be passionate about. And I know it's not going to happen. Um, you know, hell, it may not happen at all. You never know. But uh, I know it's not going to happen quickly. I just am hoping that, you know, by knowing someone or by communicating with someone, you know, that something uh, pops up. Uh, and in, in all reality, maybe going back to school, uh, at some point will be a reality. I mean, I just don't know. Uh, I went to culinary school after I uh, left the WWE in 2007, which I really enjoy. I enjoy cooking. Uh, I, I absolutely adore it. But is there money in that? I just that's where I was going to go. Uh, there really there is money in it if you are if you're the chef, if you're the head chef, if you are really writing the menu and ordering stuff for the restaurant. And you really become a partner with the restaurant owner as the head chef. And for something like that, yes, that does pay well, but I'm also uh, not qualified uh, to do so. Even with uh, culinary school, um, that takes a lot of experience, um, you know, more so than bo- the book knowledge that I may have obtained. Right. You need, uh, you need to, you know, to cut your teeth uh, with something like that. Like as, you know what I mean? As it happens, you have to be on the ground floor. Sure. Yeah, man. I'm a big fan of John Favreau's movie Chef, but mm. it's, it's it's like pro wrestling, man. Like you got to be one of those top dudes in order to get the critics yes. out there, in order to make the menu, in order to have the sous chef. Yeah. Work and it's just like that can take forever, man. It's just like being a wrestler, yeah. rookie, working your way up the card. You got to work mm. your way up the menu. So it's just like, yeah. do you have time for that? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I certainly don't. And when you get, uh, it's like it's it's like wrestling with politics. Mm-hmm. There's you could be very good, but if you're working for a corporate uh, restaurant like an Applebee's, a Friday's, uh, you know, it is all corporate structure and you know a lot of red tape and bullshit okay. so uh that that that's very and then they don't pay all that well i mean you right. can get paid but you know it's not uh, you're doing somebody else's food mm-hmm. right uh you're you're literally a monkey like a monkey i always say a monkey could do these jobs because mm-hmm. even the head chefs they are getting specific items that um when I, I worked at Olive Garden, um, okay. for example, for one of my first jobs in the kitchen. And, uh, you know, you literally are told one tablespoon, not one teaspoon, one tablespoon of, you know, Alfredo sauce, uh, you know, half a, half a cup of this. And you literally, you know, and as this way, every dish, everything um, feels the same, tastes the same, looks the same, because if you want to order something in, let's say Hartford, Connecticut, you order a chicken parm uh, in LA, you want that chicken parm to taste the same and look the same Mm -hmm. as that one you had because of branding. You know what I mean? You can't get creative with your own shit. Like spice this up a little bit. They're like, yo, it's, it's a franchise, man. It's a chain. Make the shit taste the same everywhere else. Literally, like, you know, you go to McDonald's, uh, you have, right. to, you know, if they say two uh, pickles, they're going to put two pickles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, when, so, I, when uh, I was a teenager, yeah. I worked at Burger King, my boys would come in. I was like, oh, double Whopper? He has five slices of meat. <laughs> just like, yeah. 
hook it up. Right. Yeah, they yeah. hold on to that shit real fast. But they do. But Wait. you know, you go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, you were saying go ahead, finish your thought. No, it just does. I mean, that's good and all. Um, but it's uh, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a job where once again, um, there is very little uh, creativity and very little uh, excitement. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. You know. And again, you can't um, in this day and age, and especially in my age, <clears throat> and in my situation, being a pro wrestler, we don't have um, <clears throat> a lot of choice. You really have to do. Uh, what is in front of you, um, you know, so it, it's been challenging. It's been challenging, but there's no money in culinary uh, mm-hmm. unless you have a dream of opening up a restaurant. Um, my thing that I've been thinking about for a very long time, uh, when I, which I think uh, ODB does this uh, from TNA is food trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a food truck where uh, she's very successful with it and she brings it to conventions, uh, whether they're wrestling conventions or not. Uh, there'll be comic cons or uh, even like big festivals, like music festivals and parks outside. And uh, she goes and, and does her weekends like that, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And she's doing uh, good too. It, oh, she's doing very good. And if I could get myself uh, in the right, you know, the right funding and the right backing. Um, you know, anybody out there, uh, you know, that would be something that's very, very doable with the name. And uh, the trick to that is uh, not necessarily having this huge menu, right? You have maybe four or five items that you know in those four or five items that you sell off of your out of your truck that it's going to be a home run. It's going to be a grand slam, whichever you pick. You know, you have a chicken dish, you know, a beef dish, you know, whatever. And right. you, But you know that those dishes are going to be you know what i mean and you find out what people like what are people in the mood for you know what i mean you don't want to be too specific to okay uh i'm not going to open up a taco place because guess what you got the mexican people doing it and they're doing it very authentic from a place of i'm using grandma's recipe and it's absolutely fabulous you're not going to outcook that so you also got to find something that's uh not even from a cultural standpoint, but something that truly is you mm-hmm. and uh, something that you can do better, uh, you know, or as good as uh, the, the best guy out there. You know, you really do. Your wife taking advantage of that? She's like, yo, listen, I do the cleaning. Uh, I take care of the kids. I do all that. You do the cooking. You went to fucking culinary school. Cooking's on you tonight. Um, something a up. lot of times. Yes, I would say. <laughs> but 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 hear, hear me out here. A lot of times it isn't, it's, it's not her fault. I want to, you know, and she gets kind of, uh, which, you know, sometimes it works to the point where she gets hot and she'll, she'll demand to do it, you know, cause there are some things, uh, not many, uh, but some things that she does do better than me. Okay. Uh, I'll give her that much. Like uh, she does a good uh, roast pork tenderloin that we had mm-hmm. last night, which was delicious. Um, but when I did it not too long ago, I did from scratch and not even looking at a recipe out of, off my own head. A, uh, I took, you know, a, a shitload of, uh, of regular honey, like real, real honey, uh-huh. uh, a Dijon mustard, a little white wine, shitload of garlic and made a nice little rub with honey, mustard, garlic, you know what I mean? Then you, then you rub it on top of the pork tenderloin, then you mm-hmm. throw it in there and you sear it and bake it. Forget about it. With the white wine on top. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah so that's the kind all- of stuff. I'm into, you know. Have you have you tried get on with like one of these reality shows, these cooking shows, the cook-offs? I have not. No, I have not. No, because that stuff 
Yeah, I, I've known people, I've known, uh, you know, chefs that have done that stuff that have tried to go and do that, um, that route of, mm -hmm. uh, of work. But uh, like anything else, it's like, it's like Vince, you know, trying to uh, break in. It's, it's a lot of politics, um, a lot of bullshit. Like, you know, yeah. they already, it's like when you go into the uh, auditions, they kind of already have their boy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They, right. they want what they want from that is they want somebody who has a little bit of local name, right? Somebody who's made a name for himself locally, statewide, whatever, has done a little something, something. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, looks comes into play. And in today's cancel culture or woke culture, you know, you're going to have to have somebody who's, um, you know, who looks a certain way, who's good, look, you know, looks, you want a good looking uh, man or woman, uh, you know, for every, you want somebody for every demographic, you right. want an African-American, you want, uh, you know, an Asian, right. you they, want they need diversity you know, to sell the show now. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll, you'll want, you'll need someone that's either gay or from the LBGTQ community. Well, um, yeah. So it has to kind of, uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult. And, uh, you know, so it is what it is. It, that's how those shows go. So I've never even, uh, never even been enticed, but I'm sure they would be fun, you know. Well, let's talk a little wrestling before people start losing their fucking minds watching this thing. But I want to want to talk to you quickly about about your documentary because a couple of years sure. ago, maybe it's probably even ten years ago now, um, Darren Ar Aronofsky's movie The Wrestler comes out, and being in the Northeast, at least that's where I was born and raised up in New York. Um, I'm down in Tampa now, so there's not much wrestling. Like there's wrestling, but not the way you would think it is. Right in Northeast, though. You'd go to all those conventions. You'd see the mm -hmm. guys like, holy shit, this is my hero. And now he's there signing for $20. Yeah. A guy who's a former world champion mm -hmm. now working the indie shows. How yeah. does that fuck with you mentally? Um, it did for a very long time. It did for a very long time. Uh, both both um, before I got to that point, um, you know, because for a long time, I was like, that'll never happen you know this it'll never be that way and then um as is you're getting older and you know well, you got to understand for a very long time um this has a lot to do with the way wrestling really uh i say d-day for wrestling the day that uh you know wcw was bought out by vince mcmahon mm -hmm. and the day that ecw also was in essence it was shut down but the rights were bought out for by vince mcmahon at that moment, you had hundreds of wrestlers wrestling and signed by, you know, three individual companies, which meant hundreds of wrestlers uh, employed working for Vince, working for Ted Turner's WCW, working for Paul Heyman's ECW. It was great. Now, in 2001, that all disappears. Um, I was lucky enough uh, when the game of musical contracts <laughs> or, or musical chairs uh, stopped. I was lucky. I got signed right away to the WWE. Uh, so a couple of my friends did. Most of them did not. You know, I mean, they ended up there initially or later on, but, you know, afterwards. But, you know, uh, they weren't at first. So there were hundreds of people, men and women, out of jobs. Um, and really no other promotions. So um, what had happened was until really like TNA came about and, um, you know, other promotions that started to, you know, Ring of Honor, of course, but nothing to nothing to the to the level magnitude financially right. of a WWE. It really, you know, made people 
legends especially um have no choice right but to uh but to go out and look for work you know because there was nobody else doing anything um you know not up until the past three years or so where impact wrestling is is, is contracting people to you know not a ton of money but you know fifty two thousand plus uh thousand dollar contracts some a little more some are six figures ring of honor they're doing 52 plus you know on some guys uh, you know, AEW obviously has their pocket open and they're signing a lot of people. Yeah. So, you know, then, I mean, you're going back to 2001, that hadn't happened in almost 20 years, dude. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people had to take these indie bookings and had to do these conventions. Because if you really notice, the convention circuit started to really take off around 2002, 2003. I mean, they were always around, but they were very fringe, very once in a while. Now they started popping and they usually were like around New York, mm-hmm. right? You know, now they're popping up in Philly. They're popping up in Tampa. They're popping up all over the country and uh, becoming very popular. Um, then the autograph thing started to happen because before there was uh, the, tr- the trading of autographs, the market for autographs, the action figures uh, was a big thing because, you know, at these conventions, fans wanted action figures signed and they right. just keep bombarding the marketplace. So really the, inter- the, uh, the industry created this little bubble. So when I see guys doing it now, um, it's almost like, really, I feel bad for some of them, but a lot of them didn't have that. It's almost like from 2001 till now, 20 years happened and a lot of the guys got old and a lot of the guys missed out on those years of earning, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. For example, Lance Storm left uh, ECW for WCW, um, I think in 99, and he signed a three-year guaranteed deal upward to about $800,000 a year. And um, I, I was offered a deal as well. I said, no, I wanted to become ECW champion because I thought ECW was going to go on for a long mm-hmm. time. And I'd rather be a, a big fish there because I was making good money. They're almost $200,000 a year working two, three nights a week. Wasn't a bad gig at all. Um, so long story short, Lance, not only um, I know that, you know, ECW uh, went on. I mean, WCW went out of business um, before Lance's contract uh, you know, expired, but the way those contracts were written, Lance got paid every penny of that $800,000 a year. So 800, 800,000 times three, that's, that's two point something million dollars that he got paid off and a lot of it for staying at home. Yeah. So think about that. A lot of wrestlers, including myself, never got those big, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those I mean, there wasn't even guaranteed where you can take a million of that invest right. it. They're going on the strength of the house shows and and live off the interest. So, yeah, I mean, that's really what happened was a lot of uh, we didn't get a lot of that opportunity to make money. So we had no choice but to uh, to to go out there and do that, you know. Yeah, man, and it's rough because, like I said, back back in the eighties, I mean, they were they were working on the strength of the house. They're like, all right, I get paid. Yeah. If I'm on Hogan's, you know, on right. Hogan's card. Yep. And um, when those guaranteed contracts kicked in, a lot of those older guys are like, well, fuck, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for oh, this. I wasn't right. prepared for life I, after wrestling. Right. Yeah. So it, it, I, it's tough. But what I never me, got though, that guaranteed money either. Yeah, you yeah, know. That's what, and that's the thing, though, is that yeah. here you are, former ECW world champion. You go back to the WWE. They don't treat you like a world champion. They don't. No, they don't. They're like, oh, ECW. Yeah, he was a top guy, but 
it's ECW. Come on. Let's, right, let's right, right. Like, yo, fuck you. First of all, that you're a world champion. You're on pay-per-views. You've got action figures. You got video games. I feel like they didn't give you the respect that you deserve when you came back. Yeah, no, they certainly didn't. Um, the fans sure did. And uh, I know the wrestling establishment did uh, the way, you know, the way I was portrayed in the industry as a whole. I, I remember um, in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, Top 500, which is we all know is a work. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, obviously, but in the industry, the way the smarts and the way the fans and everyone uh, in the industry looked at it was much different than the WWE because the WWE, a lot of times they hired a Rob Van Dam and pushed him, not because of they, you know, not because they saw Rob Van Dam have five-star matches with Jerry Lynn because they heard the hype from the dirt sheets. Same with me. They didn't sign me because um, the, of them watching my matches uh, or seeing me, they signed me because of the hype I had in the sheets and in the, the magazines and so forth. Right. That made me a star to them. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a, that's, that's a lot to do with it, a lot to do with it. So when, then when we finally get there, uh, they don't know how to handle it. Like I said, the year 2000 uh, out of the top 500, I was uh, number five out of 500. I was right up there. I think like Triple H was actually number seven because at the time I was ECW world champion. So I was like right under Steve Austin and The Rock and the WCW champion, whoever it was at the time, might have been Goldberg or something. So I was like right in there um, as as one of these main guys um, until until all, all the companies kind of got bought up and kind of spit out, you know? Yeah, man, that's a rough ride. And I can imagine, like I said, it, it's, it's got to fuck with you mentally where your life starts spinning a little bit out of control and you start oh, yeah. to use substances as a crutch. And again, this part of your documentary that we touched on before, the credible documentary. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with that, where you're at with it, and what you know, gives a little preview. We've seen the trailers online. It looks fucking sure. phenomenal. But yeah. tell us where, where we're at with that. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, we, we took periods um, of time where we would shoot for a week, uh, you know, if something was going on that week or, or something in my life, we would uh, then take some time off, pick up back again, almost like, uh, you know, time in between. We would shoot, take some time off, you know, to see kind of where things were going, if they were uh, improving or getting better or where the flow of it was, you know, trying to not necessarily um, – you know, uh, work the story, but really kind of, you know, see if it's it. going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was really just about me um, finding myself again, uh, kind of getting away from my substance abuse, uh, trying to to get better, trying to, um, you know, just fix my life and, 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 and do some kind of um, something to stay sober but i don't want to say see, I, I don't want to go too far into the sobriety piece because it's not a it's not one of those movies where it's about sobriety uh but it certainly is a piece it's just a movie about uh what happens when you know a wrestler is on top of the professional wrestlers on top of the world and uh all of a sudden you know at a young age nonetheless before i was even in my 40s um, it all dropped, dropped out from under me. And what am I doing to kind of reclaim, uh, not necessarily my former greatness, but just to find my, myself in, in, in moving forward, my happiness moving forward in life, like my redemption in life, you know? 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing, man, is that when, when you look at the story, again, pro wrestling is one of those businesses where when it doesn't love you anymore, it's like, yeah, oh. we're done. Go on to, oh, you're fresh, you're new, you're young, come on. We're going to make right. money with you. We're like, yeah, what happened to me? I put right. 20, 30 years of my life into this fucking business. And you're going to yeah. fucking toss me away like this? So yeah. when I see your situation, it's, it's, it's yeah, you're right. What, what do you do at that point? But my biggest question is, have you found an ending yet? That's the problem. Mm. Uh, both both uh, with me as a human uh, and the movie as well. Because um, that's why we've uh, we pretty much finished everything. And uh, we actually have the last shot. Um, that I, I, we have a beautiful shot. The last shot is actually up on my Instagram page. If anybody wants to go see it, it's at PJ Polacco, where uh, I'm looking out into the, uh, you know, into the sunset, a beautiful sunset. And I'm kind of raising my hand up like that. Um, but what that is, what that entails, I'm not quite sure yet. That That's the biggest problem is because I know as a, a full-time competitor, performer, pro wrestler, I know I am done. Now, will I have an indie show uh, and wrestle? Of course. But uh, from a, you know, mainstream, um, go to work for a company uh, and be a full-time wrestler, that, those days are, are far behind me. Um, but I would like to find, being that, you know, I'm a three-decade performer now uh, and have so much unique, um, unique experience uh you know i i span from 92 to 2021 i mean we're going on all these decades and i was one of the first i was one of the last guys to work through the territory days you know uh doing the memphis uswa stuff um you know in the early 90s to to the days of the the old wwf um on one of the first i was on one of the first episodes of monday night raw to ECW, to, you know, to all these, uh, to WrestleManias, to all of these uh, different things, to the reboot of ECW. It just, I mean, I've gone up and down the line of every little nuance you can in the business. So I would just love to find a place to help the next generation. Uh, I, I feel like I'm a good communicator. I feel like I could do something to enrich uh, today's talent. Uh, in some way or another, I really, I really think I can, you know, has there been any opportunity for you maybe to take a trip down to Orlando WWF performance center or WWE performance center? Um, uh, again, no. it, it, it's, it's a matter of, first of all, I mean, you have the credentials, Certainly. you can communicate. You're very articulate. And we've seen that in your podcast. Why not? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have, uh, I've certainly never shown interest, um, maybe because uh, I don't know, maybe out of fear of rejection um, or something like that. Uh, and I also know that they are, uh, they, I mean, they're a bit overstaffed. I mean, that's the thing is when you work for the world, when world wrestling entertainment, you, you really can cherry pick the best. Yeah. I mean, when you got Shawn Michaels down there and uh, triple H doing, uh, doing stuff. Um, I know they're not there day to day, but they're writing and stuff, but still when you have those kinds of guys there, uh, it's, a, you know, it's pretty intimidating. So they have so many guys and, and gals down there doing that. Um, but nonetheless, I think there, uh, there would be a place for me. I would love to, uh, in all, in all, uh, cause you know, I think WWE has changed so much from what I hear, mm -hmm. uh, almost none of the uh, old school guys, um, that worked in the office. Cause when I was there before you literally knew everybody, I knew the, the woman that worked on the front desk, 
I knew the set, you know, I knew Vince's secretary, you know, her name was Beth. You were on first name basis with the office. Um, very tight knit. And I think a lot of those people, I know a lot of those people are no longer there. So uh, now it's almost like it's a whole new crop. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if my name would, uh, would have the value that it once did. You know, Pat Patterson's not there. Tony Gurria, Blackjack Lanza, Chief J Strongbow. You know, uh, it, it, those, those guys are, are no longer with us, uh, you know. So, you know, we'll see. But we'll see. I'd like to give it a shot at AEW. That would be, uh, that would be something. Because I was just with Jerry Lynn uh, yesterday, Sunday, uh, I should say. Uh, Sunday when I thought uh, we had to go that day. Um, I... Uh, I, I was just down there with him and uh, he works for AEW in that department. Uh, so, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I could ask him someday how it is, uh, you know, and what it's like to work for him and he'll put me in, put me in touch with Tony Khan. <laughs> <laughs> well, to my understanding, you're doing a podcast now on Vince Russo's the brand and you're, you're covering am, yeah. AEW. Is that right? I am. That is my, uh, I've been on the brand now for uh, God, ever since AEW started with dynamite. Um, Every episode I have covered. So, yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about that product? Um, it could be good at times. It could be very good at times. And there are times where um, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I think um, in the beginning, they were very much trying to find their own way. Uh, I don't think they had any idea on what they were doing. I did not like the... Uh, the men and women they chose to feature it just seemed weird it seemed very uh, i don't know if you'll get this i'm sure you will indie riffic mm -hmm. like it felt like indie guys on television mm -hmm. you know like i'm watching an indie show on tnt um today fast forward all these years really um it seems like a completely different promotion not necessarily because of the wwe guys uh, that they have brought in they have brought in a lot but uh, I think, uh, you know, Tony Khan and company have really uh, found an, an understanding of uh, pacing of a show, of kind of, of kind of who to use on a show. Uh, you know, Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss, for example, were on the show almost every week uh, two years ago, you know, which I, I like Joey Janela uh, and I like Sonny Kiss as a performer, but you know, it was just, it wasn't resonating with me, the, the, the whole angle, the whole, I mean, the gimmick. And I don't think it resonated with a lot of wrestling fans that weren't already into that kind of indie mm -hmm. stuff. You know what I mean? I felt like it, it really almost catered to that uh, GCW style, weirder style, uh, fringe style wrestling mm -hmm. um, instead of, hey, we're, on, we're a two hour television show on TNT. You know, we got a real opportunity because if uh, fans tune on and they see something that looks like an indie show, you know, a five foot three guy uh, wearing, you know, something goofy and, uh, you know, like a Marco stunt, for example, very thin, very frail, not very good. Uh, I mean, although don't get me wrong, he's a courageous little fucker. But, you know, if you if you're not into the indie scene and do not know who this guy is, they're going to think it's a rip. Mm hmm. So today I feel that they've gotten away from that a little bit um, and they're headed in a more, uh, in a more positive direction in a more mainstream uh, direction with the guys that they have. They have some great guys, man. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, they, they have some really amazing, amazing, amazing talents. I mean, Ray Phoenix, uh, you know, the Bucks are, are a great tag team. Kenny Omega, um, I mean, uh, Hangman Adam Page, who I think is ready for the title now. Um, he, he's a great one. I mean, there's just so many good guys and they're doing all the right things with those guys. Uh, you know, and uh, another one who I love is uh, Jungle Jack Perry, uh, Jungle mm. Boy. Uh, he's a main eventer coming up. Darby Allen, I like a lot. So there's a, there's a lot of great talent out there, man. A lot of great talent out there. I, I know what you're saying because we're about the same age. I'm 46. You get what, about okay. 47? 47, yeah. Okay, so we grew up loving the same wrestling, something that, that just right. us right yeah. into it. Yep. And maybe it's because we're creative. We consider ourselves artists. And what, sure. they, were, what they did back in the 70s and the 80s, you believed in. You bought into it. I don't feel like this generation, whether the millennials or Generation Z, whatever the fuck they want to call themselves, mm. they don't have the passion about the business. To them, it's, right. and, and then again, the business isn't giving them a reason to be passionate. This is more, it's not about the performers, it's about right. the brand. And it's like Disney on ice. Like, oh, you know you're going to see Goofy and Mickey and Minnie and Pluto on fucking right. ice skates and shit like that. But it's about the pyros, the entrance, their music. And I'm like, yo, I would never fall, if I were a kid today, I wouldn't fall in love with wrestling the way I did back in the early eighties. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. And, and to me too, pro wrestling has always been about, um, at least for me when I was a kid watching it, uh, larger than life guys, yeah. guys that are six, four, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 275 pounds. I remember seeing Ted DiBiase live when I was, uh, I wasn't in the ring yet. I was probably a year, year and a half out of uh, going to train and I was ringside and Ted DiBiase walked by me uh, coming from a match mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, gave him a tap on the shoulder or whatever. Um, and I noticed how tall he was and I'm six foot tall. Mm -hmm. He was at least six, three, maybe six, four with the boots. Yeah. um and thick like i remember his thighs were muscular and thick i mean he looked like a man's man he looked like mm -hmm. he could whip me from pillar to post yeah and he wasn't the big guy no. in the wwe you know but what i'm saying that's the thing though is, is that when i was growing up the wrestlers not only big not only muscular and giants but they looked weathered they looked like yeah. they've been around the world they've done shit they've been they've got stories to tell they got the miles yes. carried on them now I look at these guys. I'm like, yo, that's that's a kid out of high school. Why, I don't, right. I don't that's some punk. Shit. That's some punk you yeah. just saw uh, down the road there trying to date your girlfriend. Right. Or and something these, like that. These yeah. kids don't age either. So it's just like I don't feel like I feel like I'm watching like, like fucking kindergarten cop instead of pro wrestling. It's, right. it's not working for me. And, and I right. can't. I haven't watched Raw in about three years. I try to flip on AEW. Oh, and like I said, yeah. It's an indie show. I, and, yeah. and it's not the same girl I fell in love with way back in the day. She's changed. She's yes. gained weight. She's fucking ugly yeah, now. Yeah. I'm, like, Yo, I'm done. I'm done. I can't yeah. watch this shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's very true. And and that's the thing is like um somebody like that, I mean, they look like when those guys, like we said about DiBiase, those big mm -hmm. grizzled veterans, and they get into a fight and they get a little color and it gets a little nasty in there or a little like, you know, and it looks like there might be a shoot. Then that's like, whoa, that changes the game. And, and you know, and when you get two guys that are uh, a buck 50, five foot five, then it's almost like uh, you could you could break them up. You know, yeah. uh, you want to you want to be able to to look at somebody like uh, who, who I like, uh, Brian Cage. Uh, 
try try fighting him in a bar yeah you know what i mean that's the kind of like i don't and i'm not even saying about muscles you don't have to right. be like lex luger but just uh, and not everybody needs to nor should they be like that mm-hmm. but you need people like that too people like a wardlow uh people like a jack a jack hager jake hager whatever his name is um he's another one that's been horribly underutilized and mm-hmm. uh, has all the ability in the world he's another beast so I'd like to see a little more of that uh, in AEW sprinkled in with all the other stuff, you know? All right. Well, you, you were a top guy in ECW, and I'm sure it broke your heart when, when you got that news that the whole time, Paul Lee's yeah. in bed with, with Vince, yeah. the, the company's being financed by Vince. What do you think the chances are that there's some swerve in the background that Vince is like, yo, I need competition to help my product. Let me go fund a little bit of AEW. You think he's in bed with them? No. No? Nah, not at all? No. No, I think what I think is happening is Vince is um, Vince is is in in a way uh, going to see how much of a mark Tony Khan is. I think he's going to give away as much talent as he can and just keep go ahead. Sign them. You'll see. Kind of just, you know what I mean? And uh, get him so much in the red then he could just sweep right up and just finish it off. They just yeah. implode. They impl- yeah. So you think that that's one of the, that's the strategy that Vince is using now by getting rid of guys like Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt. I don't think he's uh, I don't think it's a strategy, so to speak, but I think it's one way to kind of just, you want them, take them and do. And then, and then what will happen is AEW will fail with them. Mm-hmm. You know, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, um, and I, I just could see that. I think in the conference call that he had with his investors, uh, somebody asked if uh, he saw AEW as competition, and uh, Vince said something around Roundup, no. Uh, and he goes, Well, right. And the, one of the reporters, Well, AEW seems to be investing in talent. And the line from Vince is, oh, Don't worry, uh, we can help him out with a little more of that. <laughs> Saying, like, Don't worry, we got some right. more guys. Yeah. You, I'm you giving you the bullets to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, we'll see, you know, and that that's that's kind of the downfall of WCW as well. If you remember, they were just signing everybody to uh, ridiculous contracts. So, you know, yeah, you don't you got to be careful if you're Tony Khan as well. Yeah, I I don't talk much about the the current product because I I don't watch enough to be informed. But there are there is buzz about Daniel Bryan and CM Punk going over there. You think there is? Yeah, is that a game changer for AEW? Oh, it's a it's a business changer. It's going to change the wrestling business. I think um, for the next, I don't know. I think for the rest of the year, um, AEW. If this do, if this is done correctly, mark my words. If if this is done correctly, uh, AEW will own the remainder of 2021. Nice. Um, everybody will, because look, CM Punk has been the uh, the be all and all um, because he's almost like, no, you know, nobody can get him. He's made it abundantly clear. He's had offers from, from everyone and, you know, it's never happened. Uh, so I think now it's pretty obvious, um, other than saying he's cool. I think from what I hear, he's already been signed for a while. Um, and when he shows up this Friday, uh, (laughs) I mean, listen, they sold uh, 13, 14,000 tickets to the United center, which I've wrestled there. It is huge sold out. Uh, and this guy shows up, the ratings are going to skyrocket. The place is good. The ticket sales all across the board. Now the wrestling world is going to go nuts, nuts. Cause nobody honestly thought, well, they would get to see CM Punk. Again. Yeah. 
especially the, for the first round of, of, of gigs. Forget about it. Business-wise, it's a great shot in the arm for that night. What do you, what, what do, you do though, after that? You start booking him in shit matches with Jericho or, or, or MJF. Or, it's like after a while, the creative know. isn't there. Like, oh, I remember when he came up. Right. Pop. I don't give a fuck yeah. anymore. Right. No, they will. They will. And yeah. I think, yeah. And I think Punk will also have ideas and will, you know, uh, yeah. I think he'll, he'll, he'll work with them to get the right people that he wants to, to do business with. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think this is going to be, uh, this is going to be very cool. Like I said, I think this is going to be something that we have not seen in, in a long, long time. This will be a game changer. It really will. And if this doesn't, uh, if this doesn't spark a uh, wrestling uptick, like another boom period, then I don't know what will. Okay. And I could see this happening. All right. you know. I want to, I want to talk about you a little bit more, but about your your career. I mean, that's what people are interested in when they see you on here. Um, sure. I want to talk about friends in the business because friends are few and far between. You know, sure. when, when you're on the when I was booking NWA Cyberspace, my phone's blowing up 24 hours a day. Brother, can you get me booked? Hey, what's the finish on this? What are we right, doing? Right, the right, minute right. the promotion ended, it was just like, oh, hey, yeah, what happened? Good yeah. seeing you. Oh man, it's been a while. It fucking dies. The friends in the business, yep. man. You know, you came oh, yeah. up in the early nineties, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's always talk about PJ being part of the click. I mean, right. were you an official click member, or is that just the hype because you know you were riding around with, with Scott and and, and and Sean? I mean, I don't know if I. I mean, how would one be called a fit? I mean, there was no official status. Yeah, of I mean, course. Not. I I drove with those guys every show. I was mm-hmm. when I was in the car with them um, every every weekend until I left. So I get you know I would say yes. I, um, I just feel like yeah. every time they discuss oh the click and we had the power in the back we had Vince's here they never mention your name. Yeah, because it, 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 I don't think the the power was a lot of it was distorted and it wasn't what people may think. Okay. Um, it, it was mostly just uh, it was like a Sean and and uh, Kevin thing. Um, and then two Hunter or, uh, Scott left right after mm-hmm. really, um, and all that. And then, you know, the, the click really was mostly, um, at its peak would 96 ish, Okay, you know, nine, you were late still there though, right? 90, I left in 97, uh, summer okay. of 97. Were you there for the curtain call? I was, I was there at the garden. Yeah. So yep. They didn't even think about bringing you out for that. Uh, I, I, anyone, first of all, anybody had the right to go out there. Okay. I was just like, if I go out there, I'm done. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you gotta, you gotta know your role and me mm-hmm. being a, uh, one and a half, two year, uh, veteran or whatever young boy, right. forget it. I would have never worked for the yeah. company again. You know? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And the reason why I'm asking is we were talking about you possibly, you know, if there was an opportunity at the performance center sure. and if, if you had that, that association with the click, the boys who are running NXT now, why wouldn't they look to take care of their friends? Like, yo man, I see you on, on a little bit of a hard time. Come over here. You've got so yeah. much that you can share with these kids. Let's take care of you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, there, there will come a time where, uh, you know, maybe I start to inquire, right. Cause uh, I I've always t- taken a, a step of, you know, sometimes in wrestling, every job that I've ever received mm-hmm. has come to me. You know, I, I've never yeah. really gone to them. That's that pride, um, though. Right? It's not even pride. I think a lot of times it's maybe fear of uh, failure, fear of rejection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, I think I have to get rid of that. And also, I think for me, deep down inside, 
I have to know that I have truly something to offer tangibly and understand how to, to, to kind of express that to it. Like, what can I do differently or better than uh, the people that they already have? You know, what what can I do to communicate that and show them? So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's it's very similar to my situation. Like I never really had to ask for a job in the business. People would see my work and speak. They're like, yo dude, I want you over here. You cut that promo or help us develop this character or run this show for us. And I always had the phone calls like, Hey, we we want you in here. I never really had to ask, but Maybe again, maybe it was pride, or maybe it was fear of, of being rejected, saying, Now nah, we're good, we don't need you. But right. I never really went on tap on somebody's show, like, Hey, how do I get involved? How can I be a part of this? It, it, it's, it's a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. But we start looking at our points in our lives right now, I'm like, Fuck, I got a family to take care of, I got bills to take care of, let right, swallow right. that shit, yeah, and get what I can get. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I eventually will, will have to do in, in all different aspects of my mm-hmm. life. I'm, I'm going to have to definitely uh, think carefully. Yeah, if, if you just see the hit of cheap, like, yo, sure, remember that time I smuggled cocaine to Kuwait because your ass? You're like, you know, just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what's, dude, what's that like though? I mean, that's I, mean, I can understand you you crossing the border, you going from like Connecticut to the Garden, and yeah, like, I, yeah, I got yeah, yeah. a vial of coke in my ass crack or something. But you're in Kuwait, they cut you. Yo, you don't want to be in those prisons over there. Yeah, I, I don't know what I, I wasn't thinking. What were you thinking, bro? I wasn't thinking. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. So yeah. So let me ask Crazy. you. So we, we're talking about friends in the business. When you won that ECW title, you, you're the yeah. champion. You're the top guy there. Who from WWE called you to congratulate you? Oh, nobody. Oh, you fucking kidding me? Nobody, nobody does that stuff. Nobody calls anybody because it's just a work, right? Yeah, but at the same time, but that's the spot nah. you've, you've been aspiring, climbing for. But like, yo, PJ, you I know, up but, there. good job. Bro. Yeah, nobody ever does that. I've never called anybody either, though. All right, that then fuck it. Because <laughs> that's not how. Yeah, you, you would just kind of be considered a mark. Yeah, you know. Yes, but I mean, you've rode with them for so long, and you all have the same aspiration to be the big names. Yeah, but it would be like uh, you know Rocky uh, Stallone winning, winning in the Rocky movie, no. and then somebody calling Stallone and saying like, "Hey, you beat Apollo." <laughs> Or you mean call this alone about what he did on right, film. right, right, right. It's no different, really. You know what I mean? But it, it's just a matter of, like I said, like you all got in this game together. You were all undercard guys, right? No, no, I got like, you. Yo, man, I, I feel you. You got your burn. You. you deserve this. I feel you. I feel uh, you. <laughs> um. So again, not not to keep going back to the click, but because it, it of your time there, yeah. you know, Shane Douglas came through. They put him in Dean Douglas. They put Chris Candido with Skip. When you ended up going to ECW, based on how the boys treated him, the way they clicked, they shit on them, basically, in WWE, mm. were you guilty by association? Did you have to squash any of that heat? Not, um, not for no, them, but for you. No, not really. Not no, really. no. I was, uh, Shane and I, to this day, are still very good friends. Mm. Um, everybody knew. I mean, look, uh, things. a lot of times things get over-exaggerated, even between Scott and Shane. Um, I, I don't think, um, you know, it was just then they were, they were just dicks in, in those days. Um, I don't know what, I think Scott was just very difficult to work with it in those times. I think he thought he was who he was. And I honestly think he was trying to sabotage Shane. Um, that, but that being said, I think Shane was also, um, so I hate to say intimidated, but so cautious and maybe wanting to do good so bad that he froze up a bit. I don't know. Cause I know the Shane Douglas, I got to be in the ring with 
was as good, if not better than anybody. Um, so I think it was a lot of it was just Scott giving Shane a real hard time in the, in the ring, you know, cause Shane, uh, Shane to me, I always know him as one of the best in ring performers yeah, in know? ring on the mic. And the thing is, everything cutting yeah. passionate promos. He pretty much, his mouth is what pretty much launched. Oh yeah. ECW, oh yeah. And everybody followed Hell that yeah. lead. But when he comes over after talking shit about everybody, like, oh, you're that guy? You using my right. name? Get the fuck out of here. But so, exactly. But on exactly. the flip side, when you look at the guy like Chris Candido, who's a phenomenal worker in there. Yeah. And listen, Tammy is a close friend of mine. I love her dearly. She's the first one to tell anybody with two ears. I was fucking Sean and Chris didn't know about it. It's like right. you're friends with the guy. I mean, do you kind of like lose a little bit of respect for him as a man? Like, yo, dude, you know, your chick is fucking, you know, it. it's not yeah. like she's hiding. You fucking yeah. know this. Yeah. I did. I, I felt, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think Chris, he definitely knew. Mm-hmm. I just don't, uh, I don't know. I think he just rather have Tammy any way he could yeah. and kind of, you know, it's in some ways made it okay for himself mentally, you know, I don't know. It was weird to this I day. I still don't know how to, man. I yeah. guess. Yeah. She, I mean, but I, you know, look, Tammy's, I like Tammy. I've never not gotten along with Tammy, but she abused him mentally, emotionally, physically. Oh. Um, it was very sad to see because Chris was a wonderful human being. And it was just a uh, just a very sad thing. It, it was, I hate even thinking about it because Chris is such a nice guy, such a, such a nice human being. You know, we, we were talking about opening a school in Jersey with him being the head trainer. Right before oh, okay. it's about a month there. Like, oh, like, well, holy shit, man. Yeah. Great guy. And it, it's just hard to see something like that. And like I said, being a friend, because so nice. there, there's a story I, I believe that, that Tammy was like throwing the choke in your face. She's like, yo, yes, come get some. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's, that's your boy, man. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, I couldn't imagine it. And I couldn't do that to one of my friends. That's not how yeah, I, man. how I, oh. oh, shit. Bro. Well, listen, you were on the plane ride from hell, right? Yeah. You were on all that. So, I mean, between, uh, you know, them wrestling in the aisle and, and, and Michael Hayes getting his ponytail cut and whatever else they did on that trip, were you ever in fear that that plane was going to go down? Like, fuck all, all no, the shenanigans. But no, like, you know. no, no, it was, it was, it was, it never got that, like that. Uh, you know, it was, uh, and of course, with time and with age, things uh, always get a little spun out of, uh, mm-hmm. out of proportion. I mean, it was pretty wild. And uh, I am going to be part of the uh, dark side of the ring is coming out with, uh, with an oh. episode on the plane ride from hell. And I am on it. I speak uh, very candidly and openly about it. So look forward to seeing me in that nice. uh, coming up uh, next season. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty much what you'll, you know, what you, what you hear and what you've seen is what happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. it really was. I mean, they, they call it the plane right from hell. And I'm thinking, oh shit, like the pilots are sleeping at the wheel. Oh, yeah, fucking no. Brock and, and Kurt almost, almost, you know, ejecting everybody out of the plane. I'm like, how oh, bad no. was it? I mean, listen, like I said, it was pretty boys, bad. The, the boys get wild, but yeah, you it, were it never was... in fear of your life. No, not like that. Okay. No, no. Good shit. So again, I, I mean, I, I know we're going to be wrapping up here and bro, before we even end this thing, we got to do this again. There's so much sure. more that we can talk about. Oh yeah. You absolutely. got so much in that mind of yours. I want, I want to pull out of you and, and, and share the knowledge. Oh, absolutely. Um, man. But you, again, you're doing the podcast for Vince. What's the experience yes. been like there, been being able to talk to the fans, engage with them? 20 years ago, when, when, when you left WWE and you weren't sure where wrestling was going to go, we didn't have all this technology. Like what we're doing right, right now, we'd yes. have to find a way or do it by phone. Now you might have that opportunity to rejuvenate your image or, or what you 
contribute to the business through podcasts sure. by using, you know, that, that great mind of yours. Um, so what's the experience been like with, with the brand? I tell you, it's, it's been a wonderful experience working with Vince has been amazing. He is, I tell you, I, uh, I take it personally now. Uh, it, why people are so negative towards him. Mm-hmm. Um, he is one of the kindest, uh, most wonderful people I have ever met. Um, he's a great individual. He's fair. He's uh, super honest. And, uh, and he, he's, he's like, you know, he's a loving soul. Like, I don't understand maybe because people don't like his, uh, his booking and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, can argue with him and fight him all day on that stuff that's great but like as a human like I, I think he takes so much heat for for it that it kind of I, I never understood it and now that I actually know him and work with him personally I was like wow this they could people could have never gotten it more wrong of how awesome of a dude he is but hey what are you gonna do that's you know wrestling's always been like that uh, you know um, people that probably don't even know uh, anything about what happened or booking or anything hear Vince Russo when they say oh what a dick not even knowing you're just supposed to say that when you hear his name you know um so it is what it is man but it's been a great experience working for him i love working for him yeah man vince was a big mentor in my career when i first started in the wrestling business and it was even before he um yeah. he went to wwe and started working the magazine he had his own radio show long island yep. which is vincent's world of wrestling so we yep. got to know each other there but he's always looked out for me and like you said i don't understand why people aren't able to uh, to, to separate Vince Russo, the creative the writer, from the, yeah. the human being. Yeah. This yeah. guy is a giving guy. He looks out for people. Yeah, he yeah. Doesn't fuck the, who doesn't? But you right. don't hold him. To, to, he wore the WCW title. Who gives a shit? Like you said, it's a work. Exactly. Like, yeah, he had made some bad booking decisions, but don't crucify this guy. Right. You know, yeah, he's absolutely. Being. It's, uh, yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's crazy. Man. It's crazy. But um, before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find you, where they can get in contact with you, and, and uh, if you got like a release date for your documentary? Sure. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at PJ Polacco and go on over to pro backslash just incredible. I have over 20 t-shirts, both impact players, Aldo Montoya and just incredible shirts all there. Check it out, uh, please. And uh, that's it, man. Uh, the, the, whatchamacallit, the documentary mm-hmm. will probably be out sometime uh, next year in January, hopefully. Solid, solid. All right. Man. All right. Listen, I ask all wrestlers this question because, I, again, like I said, you're a passionate guy. We pretty much grew up in the same era, loving it. What was your first live event and the main event on that card? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, the first uh, one was um, – at a high school in Waterbury, Connecticut, Kennedy High School. Mm-hmm. And the main event were the Wild Samoans against Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas for the WWWF tag team titles. All right. Good shit, man. Yes. What about like in a major arena? What was your first line? Uh, Rick Flair versus Terry Funk. No, nope, Rick Flair ver- nope, nope. Rick Flair oh, versus Ricky Steamboat. Okay. When Steamboat when Steamboat was the champion. Wow, tremendous! Yes. Did you see this? Uh, New Haven. Okay, New Haven College. All right. Yeah. Got it. Got yep. it. Damn man. Yeah, I had a great one. My first event was uh, 1985 Nassau Coliseum. Oh, okay. Uh, Hogan defending against Jesse Ventura. 
Oh, I'm really just getting into the business and understanding things and, and finding my, my favorites. Savage does a run in and they're building up that feud there. So, the, you know, the comeback was like, oh, all right, it's going to be Hogan and Tito against Jesse right. and Savage. I'm like, yo, dad, get the tickets now. Oh, man. Go beat it. All right. That's crazy. Yeah, those are great. I mean, those are great, great, great matches. Great, like, yeah. times to watch live wrestling, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Bro, there's so much to talk about. We can chop it up all yeah. day. I want to thank you for being here. Let's do this again soon, man. Even if we do something monthly, come back. I'll pick Absolutely. your brain a little bit about the current product. And uh, we will, uh, like I said, we'll wrap it up for now. But there's more to come. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us here. It's thank the Midnight guys. Hustle Podcast. You. Can you dig it? This has been PJ Polacco. Just incredible. He's not just the coolest. He's just not the best. He is just incredible. We're out of here. We'll talk to you See later. See ya.